You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now, your host, Tish. Hi, listeners. Today, I am so excited to have Carol Hansen with me. Carol, before we dive into the topic that we're going to be talking about today, will you please take a couple minutes and just introduce yourself to my listeners? Sure, I'd love to. And first of all, can I say thank you so much for um, having me on your podcast, Tish. It's it's an honor, um, really is. So appreciate it. So my name's Carol Hansen. I'm from the UK and um, I inspire women who have a wardrobe full of clothes but nothing to wear. I'm a personal stylist and I've been running my styling consultancy for four and a half years um, since February well, nearly coming up five years, February 2015. Um, And I help women to look and feel fabulous every time they get dressed. And I started my business on the back of a less successful business venture, where in 2013, I went out and bought an existing business, which was an online boutique. Now, at that time, I had no experience in fashion, no experience in e-commerce and no experience in marketing. So it was a real leap of faith. And as I say um, to people, it it was a bit of a middle-aged crisis as well, I think. (laughs) Um, And um, it was a lot tougher to to make the business work than I thought it was going to be. But what I found as I was marketing the business offline and online was the fact that I was attracting women who wanted to talk to me about the fact that they weren't right for clothes. They couldn't find clothes that were made for them. And that, as we know, is actually a little bit of a nonsense in one sense, because it's, it's about understanding what your body shape is. And I don't mean that nonsense in a derogatory way, but it's not that the clothes, the women are wrong, it's that the clothes are wrong. And it boiled down to a lack of body confidence. And also, it doesn't help that we have clothes that in every different brand the the sizing appears to be different um and um and so that's why that piqued my interest because i thought i was the only one who well not the only one but i thought i was in a minority of um, dealing with people uh, of being someone who suffered from body confidence issues i'd actually gone through um, my own body image issues Um, And for about 20 years, I had battled anorexia. And that came on, it it kind of first, I suppose, I started realizing what was going on when I was about 17. And I was almost 40. um, When I felt that I'd really turned the corner. So I could really relate to women who um, could stand there, look in the mirror and say, I really don't like what I see. I hate what I see. and relate to them in a way that I really understood. And so that's what encouraged me to start my personal styling consultancy. Thank you, Carol. And I forgot to mention to you, thank you for taking the time out to join me today. No Um, problem at all. So, oh my goodness, like I was getting goosebumps listening to you share about that because like looking in the mirror and not liking what you see, oh my gosh. I literally up until a little over a year ago, I mean, there was a point in time in my life that I would not even look in a full length mirror because I hated my body so much. 
And yeah. that came from, you know, when you look at magazines or um, like Hollywood and um, like New York City fashion shows and stuff, you don't see women that look like me. So from a very early age, I was, you know, taught from outside people, the society, and then even from family members, you know, I was always the girl with the pretty face, but if you would only lose weight. So, I mean, I have dealt with body image issues literally my entire life. And, oh my gosh, like just, you know, like I said, I wouldn't even look in a full length mirror for a really long time in my life because I hated my yeah. body so much. And I'm so thankful that I have moved past that and now embraced my body as it is. Um, yeah. I'm fat <laughs> and I am not embarrassed to say that I'm bigger than I have ever been, but I am, I'm so much more into fashion now because once I realized, and you touched on it, Carol, that it is about finding the stuff that fits my body. So, uh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about what you do. And <laughs> I want to talk um, a little bit today about the anorexia. So you hit on it a little bit. You said it probably started about 17. Mm. So what, you know, like for me, like I mentioned, it was the magazines and the fashion shows and just noticing like the girls around me in school, I was yeah. always, you know, bigger than them. So if like sixth grade is when I really started to notice, okay, I'm not right. I'm not okay the way that I am. So that's when I started dieting. So was there a specific moment in time that you can remember that something happened that made you realize, okay, I'm not okay with my body and I need to do something about it? It was a combination of things, but it was more to do with um, emotional things that were going on in my life and hadn't didn't actually happen when I was about 17, but actually happened a little earlier in my life. So um, my mother suffered from mental health issues all her life, um, pretty much. And when I was uh, 13, well, just on the eve of my 14th birthday, uh, she had a complete um, nervous breakdown. And I came home and found her the day before my 14th birthday, where she'd taken an overdose. And it and it it was about she was about a year in recovery um, and several suicide attempts later. So there was that going on. There was also the fact that my father, who I idolized, I was an only child, and he and I had an extremely close relationship. Um, but he hadn't fulfilled his own potential when he was at school. So he was, in a sense, pushing me to fulfill that potential not in a nasty way or a pushy way, but in a way where I ended up kind of absorbing some of that pressure. And so I guess really it was, it was a kind of a vortex. And I wouldn't say that it was to do with dieting magazines or anything like that. For me, it was kind of, I come up to stage when I was 17, was also the stage when I'd met the guy who um, ended up being my husband. We got married when I was just 19 and we're still married nearly 40 years later. So there was a sense of me wanting to look my best and not feeling comfortable with myself, plus all these emotional um, issues I'd been kind of burying in terms of my parents. 
And anorexia, of course, is very much not necessarily about food, but about control. Mm -hmm. And I wanted control back in my life. And the way to get control back in my life was through my diet. It was the one easy thing. You know, I was still living at home. Um, I was, I was at college, but by controlling my eating was one way of getting that control back again over me. Yeah. Instead of it being about my parents and, and the emotional issues I felt with regard to that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Like I think back to, I was on the opposite spectrum of eating issues. So I was never anorexic, but I went through a phase where I did like starve myself or, you know, would only drink liquids or only eat fruits or blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like I could literally go on all day about, you know, everything that I've done. But um, I went through a really nasty phase of binging and purging. Yeah. Like it was in a sense that also was about control to me because there was so many other things going on in my life that I couldn't control. Yes. Food. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it because like if somebody hasn't been through, um, you know, the issues with the food, they tend to not understand, you know, I have friends that are thinner or I have friends that are heavier and they just, they don't get like the binging and the purging. Well, why would you do something like that? How could you do something like that? Well, (laughs) there was crap going on in my life and I, that's what I did. And, and in a sense, it felt like a, a normal type of behavior, I guess, because it certainly did with me. Yeah. I I didn't binge, but yes, I did. Um, I did purge my body, which when you're not then giving yourself enough nutrients and depletes your body even more. And I was also um, addicted to exercise as well. Um, Not straight away from when I was 17, but a little bit later on. So that I was, I was basically breaking my body down physically and mentally. Right. And you're right. People don't understand. They don't, it's like any addiction one. I won't say any addiction, but most addictions, people who don't have an addictive type of personality find it very difficult to understand an addictive personality. Yes. Yes. And I can't, well, I'm sorry to hear, you know, about the mental health issues that your, you know, your mom had. I can't even imagine. I had enough stuff going on in my life at a young age. I couldn't imagine, you know, dealing with a parent that was trying to kill themselves. Like that would be I mean, oh my gosh, I just can't even imagine that. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem with that. Because it's it's kind of, I might sound a little bit blasé about it, but in a sense, it's kind of, it's part of my journey and it helps me to understand what I've been through. I mean, I haven't been actually been through any therapy or anything. Oh, wow. Um, my recovery has all been self-recovery. Um, apart from when I was really bad with the anorexia and they tried to hospitalize me to, because back in the 1980s, as that would have been, there wasn't the mental health support in terms of anorexia in the way that there is certainly here in the UK now. Um, it was more about the, the kind of the physical condition. So it was about getting you to a certain weight. Um, and it was about force feeding or hospitalizing you with bed rest to make you eat Mm -hmm. um and I managed to escape that just about (laughs) 
Um, well, I did escape it because every time I I went for a weigh-in, I just got over the limit um, that they didn't want to hospitalise me. And in the end, I just I told my husband and my family that I wasn't going through it anymore and I would get better on my own. Um, and that's probably why it took as long as it did. So, you know, that's why it took over 20 years because the average um, person, the average sort of suffering period for someone who has anorexia is about 12 years. Mm -hmm. That's amazing that, you know, you did this all on your own and didn't go into like any recovery. And something that I've struggled with um, over the years reading about anorexia and stuff is I don't understand how the hospitalization and force feeding people to eat, I don't understand how that works. When you go from, you know, somebody that is literally starving themselves, okay, we're just gonna, you know, hospitalize them and force them to eat. Like in my head, that does not even make any sense. I mean, I understand nutritionally why they're doing it because they need to, um, you know, get nutrients and stuff in the body, but I just, in my head, it still makes no sense to me. No, and I, under, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I don't particularly agree with it, but equally, I think it, when they do it now, it's when someone is at a really dangerous level because it's, mm -hmm. it can have um, not just mental health effects, but there's all the damage it can do to internal organs, the, the stress it puts on the heart, um and some of that if it's not treated will be irrecoverable and that's right. why anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any mental health disorder plus the 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 fact that your immune system is so compromised so that you can you can end up you know picking up other illnesses and stuff like that mm -hmm. and so i think it's i agree with you it sounds cruel it doesn't sound right and and from my point of view i think it needs it has to be done alongside therapy and the rest of it but equally i kind of understand where the medical profession is coming from on it because the other thing is if you if you're if you're so underweight then your ability to rationalize as well is going to get affected and your ability to to kind of deal with those issues so i think it's a case of well we have to get someone it's a bit like if you're treating someone i guess um has a heart condition you have to get them to a stable condition before we can move to that next stage right and hopefully my listeners um you know when i was just saying that it's not that i don't agree with what the medical profession does because i do believe that somebody that is at that state does need you know help but yeah just like i said in my head it doesn't make sense to take no, somebody that's <laughs> starving themselves to force them you. And yeah. it just sounds really cruel, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, and but... one of the other things that I wanted to talk um, really quick about was, you know, you were touching on it a little bit as you were just talking about mm -hmm. the health issues that people that suffer from anorexia can deal with. Did yeah. you find over your 20 years of dealing with it um, that you had any health issues that stemmed from anorexia? Well, there's the one big one that they can't tell me whether it was definitely the anorexia or not, but I actually had my menopause when I was in my early 20s. Wow. And I didn't realise until we started trying for a family when I was in, I was nearly 30. Um, 
and then they told me that in fact I'd had my um, they believed I'd had my menopause they weren't entirely sure if it was genetic or if it was the eating disorder um, but of course I've always been left not knowing mm-hmm. and left in a sense with a sense of I suppose guilt in one sense that I couldn't do the most fundamental thing that humans are put on the planet to do, which is reproduce. And it put a lot of strain on our marriage at that time. At the time I was told um, was the time my first period of self-employment when I was setting up my own accountancy practice, because my background is actually accountancy. And I threw myself into that business on the grounds that Oh, I was a businesswoman. I didn't need to have a family. Um, you know, it's all of this ridiculous talk that goes on in our heads. Um, and in that process, I kind of forgot about my husband. And I also forgot about the fact that he may be suffering as well from the fact that we couldn't have a family. The fact we were both only children meant that we both came from very small families as well. So it, you know, there was a lot. So that was probably the biggest issue, but it was an unknown issue. Mm -hmm. There was also the, um, and this again is kind of, it's related to the eating disorder, but not directly was that I, um, I overexercised an awful lot and I caused an awful lot of, um, muscle damage and strain and sprains, which took a lot longer to heal from two, from the main reason being, obviously my body wasn't in perfect balance with nutrients, but it was also the fact that I wasn't prepared to give up the exercise either. So any recovery that I did had to be active recovery. You know, I might change my exercise patterns if I couldn't go running because I twisted my ankle, I'd get out on my bike. It, it was that kind of madness wow. rather than resting up and accepting that the body was telling me to slow down. Mm-hmm. I caught colds an awful lot more and my circulation wasn't great either. Um, but that was, those were the kind of, those were the main things. And how is your health today, Carol? Do you have any, I guess, like lasting effects that you've noticed or are you in better health? <laughs> much, much better health generally because I've put on weight. My immune system's much stronger. Um, and, um, I've now got a much more balanced, you know, I still love my exercise, but I've got a much more balanced attitude towards it. Um, one of the things that I did when um, I came, came to terms with the whole exercise side of it was get myself a personal trainer. And it was someone that I'd known for a number of years. And um, initially I was just going to work with him for a short period of time to improve like my core strength and get back to running, which was something I'd had to give up with the number of injuries I got. But I've been with him now. Um, we've been working together for about 11 years. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's and amazing. Ab- and he's absolutely amazing. And um, so that's, as I said, I've got a much more balanced attitude towards exercise now. So no, I don't have um, health issues. I've been extremely lucky on that side of it. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, it caused a lot of strain on your marriage and you had kind of forgotten about your husband and stuff. But what I love is the fact that you guys are still married today. Like you have been together, you said 40 years, correct? Yeah, that's right. 40 years in, in March, married 38 years. Um, 
and yes it did put an awful lot of strain on our relationship and in fact we we went through a really bad spell and split up for a bit at the, t at the millennium but we got back together again because both of us were so determined to make it work but it took years to rebuild it and rebuild the trust and the relationship but we were both determined to make it work and um i guess i felt an element of guilt as well that it was my issues that had really disrupted the relationship in some senses so i think i put an awful lot of work into it but if mark hadn't wanted to work at it too then you know it wouldn't have worked it has to be a partnership and i would say that our second marriage is actually stronger than our first marriage was that gave me goosebumps thank you for sharing that and that like right there that could be like we could do a whole episode on just that because that's so inspiring and inspirational in this day and age it is so easy it's so common for people to be getting divorces so yeah. i love hearing that you know yes it was really hard but we both made the decision that we wanted to make it work and you put in that time and effort that's so inspirational to me i just love that thank you and i don't want to take up a whole lot of more time but i do want to kind of circle into how you came into and i know you mentioned it a little bit you know in the beginning but how did you come into the wanting to help other women, um, you know, styling them? How did you come into that? Will you go into that a little bit, please? Yeah, of course. Well, as I said, it, it came off a, less, a, a back of a less successful business venture. And it was a kind of, it was a realization that when I started talking to women, when I was out networking and I was putting on charity fashion events and stuff like that, that there were so many women that suffered from body confidence issues or body image issues. And um, I always had a slightly um, artistic flair. In fact, when I was at college, when I left school, I didn't, I wanted to become a fashion buyer. And um, unfortunately I couldn't find a position at the time. I couldn't find a training scheme to get onto. Um, Partly the country was in recession um, and it was also partly that I was setting my sights pretty high. I wanted to go and work for someone like Harrods. Um, <laughs> I'm sure some of your listeners will have heard of, um, which is the, the poshest and biggest uh, department store in the UK. Um, and so it, and that also coincided with my, um, my time uh, of, starting to become anorexic that actually I couldn't have handled a job like that there was a lot of pressure and so that's why I ended up in in accountancy but I've always loved styling and fashion I've always loved clothes and I've always loved putting outfits together and doing something a bit quirky and a bit different and so it was it, it kind of felt really natural to fall into it so over here in the UK there are a few kind of styling schools and there are a few kind of organizations that you can learn to do personal styling with. Um, but I chose someone who was an independent stylist because it suited my kind of independent style anyway, but I'm not very much, I'm not really a very much of a rule follower. Um, I like to be a bit, particularly when it comes to clothes, I like to be doing stuff a bit different. And 
so it, it was all of those kind of combinations and the timing just felt right. I, I certainly couldn't have done anything like that when I was still struggling with an eating disorder because my own issues would have come up with it. Um, my own you know, problems with my own image. I could, have been, I could have been dragged back down into it when other women started telling me about how they didn't like their bodies. Um, but now it doesn't, it doesn't have any impact on me. And, and I can impact in me in a way of, of, of a personal impact. So now I work with women either on a one-to-one -one basis, um, which I love doing, but of course that is fairly limiting because that's always done face-to-face -face in someone's home. Um, um, so I started to run online courses as well, and that helps me get out to a wider audience um, and start talking about stuff. And that's getting me into a different arena, which is starting to move into the field of public speaking as well. Um, and the other thing that I've kind of got very into in terms of styling is um, last year, I think I really woke up to how much damage the clothing industry is doing to the planet. Um, and I've never been somebody to go out and buy a lot of cheap clothes. I've always preferred quality clothes um, and to make more of what I've got in my wardrobe. You know, I wear stuff year in, year out, the same things and just style it differently. And that's also help with the way that I teach other people as well. It's not about going out and having a shopping trip. It's about going shopping in your own closet. That's always a good place to start because I used to, I would like hoard clothes. So I was one of those people um, that I would buy something when it was on sale, even though it didn't fit because, uh, you know, back then I was in the vicious cycle of yo-yo dieting. Thankfully yeah. I'm not there anymore, but yeah like oh my gosh your closet is always a good place to start and i love that you're moving into the online world now because it does it opens up the door to so many more possibilities to impacting sure. and reaching so many more women and for my listeners we're not on video so they can't see you but i was admiring your scarf and like the blue necklace that you have on so listeners she looks fantastic <laughs> thank you and carol really quick something that popped into my head when you were talking about the styling is can you remember like one specific client that you worked with that you know when you were doing a styling session because um, I think of me personally, when I finally started wearing the clothes that fit my body shape, yeah. it was just, I mean, like the first time I actually tried something on that really was for my body, I sat in the dressing room and I cried because I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this looks amazing on me. Is there is there one specific client or one specific time that you remember that it was just this remarkable, amazing feeling for you as a stylist to see a woman just, I mean, I remember I stood up taller, I started carrying yeah. myself different. Is yeah. there an experience like that that you can share with us? Several. Um, a lot of my clients, my personal styling clients, um, I get through networking and I go out and do quite a lot of networking. So I'm showing up in quite a few places. And then to see those clients in, in the subsequent meeting in the way that they 
walk into a room, they walk taller, as you say, they, they hold themselves differently. And it just has such a huge impact on their lives. Um, and with one client I work with, it was interesting because it was, while she, it had a huge effect on her, she then bought a, um, a color analysis session. So determining someone's colors that they can and can't wear for her husband, because he was starting a new job. It was a step up and he was feeling a bit nervous about it. And he actually wrote me a review afterwards and told me how much confidence it had given him both in his working life, but also in his personal life as well, in terms of he runs kind of sports academies for kids and stuff like that, and how it had made a real positive impact on his life. And that, to me, was just amazing. That is amazing, and I'm glad that you mentioned it was a male, because oftentimes I think that we tend to forget that men can suffer from body image issues and lack of confidence just as much as you know we women can. So Absolutely. I think Absolutely. And I think more and more with, um, you know, a gym culture um, and body dysmorphia issues in terms of men and the, sad to say, but the um, accessibility of steroid job, uh, drugs that change their body shape. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, I know women whose teenage sons struggle with their body image when there's nothing wrong with their body image, but it's and again, I think an awful lot of it is also as a result of celebrity culture, as you mentioned earlier about magazines and stuff. But it's it's more than that. It's it's online as well, of course. And because we all live online now, um, it's just it's in our faces all the time. You can put a magazine down and put it, you know, put it on the shelf or whatever. But online, we're, we're addicted to it, aren't we? And therefore it's in our faces all the time. And I think that doesn't help anyone you don't even get me started on the online stuff because <laughs> I can go I need to do another show on this one <laughs> and as you keep talking like so many things keep popping into my head but I want to kind of wrap us up because I know you know you've taken time out of your day and I really appreciate that um, and I want to respect your time so oh, the last thing that I would like to ask you Carol is if I have any listeners right now that are struggling with some body image issues, can yeah. you share one or two tips with them? Something that they can do to just, I mean, I know you don't just overcome body image issues overnight. It's a process. And yeah. I still, as much as I love my body now, there's still days that I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, my belly, my thighs, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. Do you just have one or two tips, some advice okay. that you could leave the listeners with? Yeah, I, I, I'll give you, give you a couple of ideas. One of them is, first of all, to um, think about when you were last paid a compliment, what were you wearing? And, um, and think about, if it was a necklace or a scarf or something like that to make sure you include it in your outfit, draw attention away from your actual body and wear accessories. As you can see, um, I'm a big lover of accessories, wear accessories to try and um, encourage attention away from your body. And that can, that can actually feel quite liberating. The other thing I would say is um, if you're struggling from body image, issues is the first thing you need to do is really understand your body shape um 
the ideal body shape is with we're told is um an hourglass shape so that you're um from a women's point of view the chest and the hips are even and you've got a defined waist now if for example your hips and your thigh area is larger than your top half then add some bulk to your top half so maybe um, again bulky necklace or maybe a collar or something like that that is going to draw attention up and balance out that shape equally if you're the other way round and you've got um, uh, broader shoulders and narrower hips then wear something that's going to balance you out the other way around and accentuate your hip area so it's creating balance with your body and another way you can really do that is um, by using stripes um, and I don't or lines in clothing I don't just mean stripes so for example the way that the um, the eye works is that we see horizontal lines first so every time you see a horizontal line in an outfit and that's not just stripes that can be a hemline um, it can be the end hemline of a top hemline of a skirt anything like that the eye actually sees that and ha it has a widening and shortening effect so if you're looking to look taller is to dress in monochrome so in one color scheme throughout and maybe slightly lighter at the top and darker on the bottom um, equally wearing a scarf just draped around your neck will create vertical lines and actually make you look taller um, and those kind of they're almost like illusion tricks that help dif help the eye to see the shape they're seeing slightly differently. Thank you, Carol. Those were great tips. And I loved number two. Um, I'd never heard that one before, but that makes so much sense. And yeah. I personally am super excited to be following you online. I'm going to be stalking you now. <laughs> Because I am so interested in what you're doing. So will you take a couple minutes and tell our listeners how they can find you online? Yeah, of course. So my website is carolahanson.com. And on there you'll find um, my blogs. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to do one for a little while. But you'll find blogs. You'll find ways you can work with me. You'll find details of my online courses on there. Um, I'm most active on Facebook. Um, either look me up as Carol Hansen or, or Carol A. Hansen or the Conscious Wardrobe Stylist. And I'm also on Instagram as well as the Conscious Wardrobe Stylist. So you can find me in those. Those are the, the best places to get hold of me. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Carol. And I will for sure make sure that all those links are in uh, my show notes Thank so you. that listeners can click right through to find you. And Carol, again, I just want to thank you so much. This conversation has been wonderful. I've enjoyed it so much. I know my listeners are going to enjoy it. And I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join me and to be open about sharing your story with anorexia. I really appreciate that. So thank you. No problem at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Tish. I've really enjoyed being talking to you this evening. You're welcome. Thanks. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, and share with others that need a message of hope, love, and transformation.